0: Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. Today's episode title, How to Be with Difficult Feelings, is very deliberate, and I'll get more into that in a moment. I want to remind you that if you are interested in staying in touch with us and receiving occasional announcements or even more occasional reflections, please go to our website and subscribe at deepsouthdharma.org. Soon, I'll be using that email list to send out details about the weekend retreat I have in March, actually the weekend of March 20th through 22nd, in Starkville, Mississippi. In the meantime, take a look at Flowering Lotus Meditation, who is hosting me for that retreat. Go to floweringlotusmeditation.org for more information about their mobile sangha in general and to register for our retreat in particular. Also, speaking of difficult feelings, I want to do another one of my freebie commercials. Um, I want to give you some information about a resource in Chattanooga, Tennessee, if you're in that area, created by my very good friend, Becca Davis. Becca is a licensed counselor, a trauma therapist, and certified sex addiction therapist who owns Trauma and Addiction Recovery Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This healing center specializes in helping people with addictions and their family members. So if you happen to be in that area of Chattanooga, North Georgia, Far North Alabama, and or if you or a loved one is struggling with the effects of trauma, with substance addiction, with sex or pornography addiction, um, check out the website for the Trauma and Addiction Recovery Center, which is TARC Recovery, T-A-R-C Recovery Becca Davis has been a colleague and friend of mine for many years, ever since we both lived and worked at the same uh, place in Nashville, and she is extremely good at what she does. And that includes providing a non judgmental, deeply informed, and supportive environment for recovery and healing on an outpatient basis. So, with that being said, I'd like to turn our attention to our topic today of being with difficult feelings. What I wanted to talk about this week is being with difficult feelings, how we choose to be with ourselves and with difficult experience, how we treat ourselves when we're experiencing feelings that we don't like. So this is not a talk about getting rid of emotions we don't want or suppressing feelings that are moving through the system. What we want to talk about this evening is how we actually treat ourselves when we are experiencing these passing feelings, persistent moods, or really any period of time with mental or emotional experience that comes with unpleasant feeling tone. I felt inspired to reflect on this topic partially by something Ajahn Amaro said in a talk that was shared online a week or so ago. He said, and I'm paraphrasing, that the trouble with a lot of us in our culture is that most of us haven't learned how to be bored, sad, and lonely. And he didn't mean, of course, that we don't encounter those experiences, just that we don't usually learn how to be with them, how to feel those things, rather than piling on a bunch of distractions or trying to outrun those waves of boredom, sadness, or loneliness. And these things are just part of the package of being human. You know, if we grow up in fortunate circumstances, we learn how to notice and recognize and respond to hunger or fatigue without any particular shame or denial. And we meet those needs by eating or resting appropriately. But even in those fortunate circumstances, in our culture, we may still not learn how to treat the rest of our discomforts. When I speak of how we treat ourselves, I'm using the word "treat" as somewhat of a double entendre. We want to look at both how we respond to ourselves when we're having a different time, But we also want to look at treating in the sense of healing. Now, of course, there's a blurring here of these two um, essences, essences, excuse me, of the word "treat. There's an important overlap. how we respond to ourselves when we experience difficult feelings can either further our suffering, compound our suffering, or it can further our healing from suffering. One teaching about this that is relatively well-known to people of many backgrounds um, is the saying that in this life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And the Dharma version of this shows up in the Buddha's teaching about the first and second arrow The Buddha pointed out that when we experience the kind of stress and pain that we're powerless over, it is as if we'd been shot with an arrow, and that it would be unwise to address that problem by shooting ourselves with another arrow. But this is exactly what we are often conditioned to do. One of my most striking examples of encountering this was a young woman in trauma treatment several years ago. She came to see me for a scheduled meeting, and I typically would invite people to begin by checking in with themselves and sharing where they were at the time, and so I did the same with this woman. She came in looking just worn out, just worn out physically, tense, and her facial muscles were just physically constricted, and she opened by saying, well, I don't know how well this is going to go. I've just been feeling irritable all day. So I kind of had to remind her that this time we had scheduled together was not about her performing in any certain way. So I suggested that instead of meeting herself with this expectation of performance, that maybe she might want to let me introduce her to self-compassion meditation. And maybe only because she didn't have a better idea right then, she agreed, And so we did that for maybe 15 or 20 minutes. I guided her in a version of that practice, um, similar to the version I recorded over Thanksgiving weekend. And afterward, I could see, even before she spoke, I could see that her facial muscles were relaxed. Her shoulders were a little bit lower. They weren't up around her ears quite so far. Her body had settled into the chair more fully She was really just allowing herself to be supported by the furniture. But what she said out loud really struck me and has always stayed with me when I run into people who look like they may be having some difficult feeling. She said, you know, I do feel a little bit better and I would never have thought about offering myself compassion. I always just thought if I was irritable, It's just that I was being a bitch. You know, and I think that this is really pretty tragic, this self-judgment and name-calling just for being in a body that registers a difficult feeling. This is an example of shooting oneself with the second arrow. Now, I'll mention parenthetically here, my style with myself or with people that I'm helping is not not an across-the-board philosophy of go easy on yourself. Um, I think we may actually need to be pretty firm with ourselves at times in terms of our actions, including the kinds of things we say to ourselves and others. That's what our practice of the five precepts do, right? They give us a buffer zone where we have these safeguards around our behavior, um, partly so that our Difficult thoughts and emotions are not allowed to give us an excuse to cause harm to ourselves, to ourselves or to others. But for the experience of simply receiving feelings that are hard to bear, this experience of existing or experiencing existence in a body that registers difficult feeling tones, we just don't deserve to heap up more difficulty. So being firm with ourselves in the way that I approach things means being firm about not buying into harsh self-judgment and name-calling, not identifying with those things, but recognizing those, those that, that self-judgment and that name-calling as unskillful habits that we want to abstain from. Now to go back for the to the example for just a moment, I also want to point out that from my perspective, from someone who had a little more perspective on what this lady was dealing with, there were actually many reasons that it made perfect sense for that woman to be experiencing irritability at that time. She was too close to herself, too fused with the, the uh, experience to have that perspective. But the fact is she was in a treatment facility away from her home. She was removed from the distractions of internet, phones, and television for the most part. She was in a a beautiful home, but living with half a dozen or a dozen um, of other women also going through this same sort of detox from our typical daily distractions. And um, she was in the process that therapists call trauma resolution And classical Buddhism would call it purification. So not a pleasant experience she was having. A valuable experience. Um, It's definitely an example of what the Buddha would call the kind of suffering that leads to the end of suffering, but not pleasant, not usually, and in fact, sometimes very painful. So how much better it can be if when we get shot with that first arrow, whether that's through trauma or loss or other experiences that cause difficult emotion, how powerful powerful it could be to apply the healing balm of awareness instead of the second arrow. Even if we can't, even if it's just physiologically impossible for us at the time to have the space from the experience to see everything about why we're feeling the way we're feeling, recognizing that it's absolutely natural to have those experiences is at least a start. Recognizing it's absolutely natural to have feelings of dissatisfaction and instability so that we can also recognize that those experiences are not self and therefore nothing to judge ourselves about What would it be like when you feel irritable or sad to deliberately turn toward it with awareness, with this sort of sense of curiosity, a sense of, yeah, sure, compassion, but even just starting with curiosity, if you can't feel compassion, is a great beginning. If instead of trying to hide it or get over it, you allowed yourself to become familiar, really intimately familiar with, how it feels in the body to feel this way, noticing the effect it has on energy level, all of that. With this kind of practice, you can develop over time the ability to recognize even further when what you're experiencing is inevitable or optional because sometimes we've been so busy trying not to feel things, we don't know. We sometimes may think that everything is optional and maybe it's not, or we may think that all of our experiences are inevitable and maybe they're not. So this investigation can help us sort that out. Also, we can learn to recognize which feelings actually are resonances of our own body or are uh, results of our own internal purification going on, or what feeling experiences are those that we may be sort of picking up from the environment? I remember when I lived in Jackson, Tennessee, I had a friend, a lady named Charlotte, who um, her, her religious background actually was Pentecostal. And she had a really interesting framework for thinking about um, this trouble that some people have with distinguishing their own feeling experience from that of others. She, she believed that what many people called codependency, um, started out as a spiritual gift that, that many people that end up with the difficulty that we call codependency are those who were born with as what she called sensors, uh, S-E-N-S-O-R-S, Sensors. And this was her name for the uh, people. A lot of people now will talk about empaths and this and that. She had a very specific understanding of this. She believed that there were people who were born as Sensors and that the uh, purpose of those Sensors in the body of Christ, because remember that's part of her background, was to to be aware of the pain and suffering um, that they encountered in the world, but rather than to sort of hitch on their little tool belt and try to go tackle things that may not even be their business, just to become aware of pain and suffering and to use that moment to offer an accessory prayer for those beings that they come in contact with. And, um, Her thought was that sometimes we become aware of difficult feelings that other people may be having who may not have the skill for meeting themselves kindly or may not have, uh, they may, um, in her background, it was, you know, they may be suffering so much that they are forgetting to pray, forgetting that they have resources available to them. And so the idea was that it's part of the job of the censors to do that uh, well-wishing and that praying on behalf of those hurting. This is actually um, not a bad idea to work with, Um, even if this is not part of your, that particular um, theology, is not part of your background. The idea that sometimes what we pick up does not belong to us, but we can still use it, to respond compassionately in some way. Um, maybe it sparks us to address some issue that we're aware of, or maybe we, maybe we do pray, and if that's part of your practice, that is something that you can do for others. Or if you choose to practice loving-kindness meditation or compassion meditation on behalf of others, um, it's good with that if you consider yourself to be a censor in Charlotte's meaning of that word, um, to also utilize a good bit of equanimity practice. So getting back to this topic of having the intention to meet difficult feelings with awareness. You know, it's a bit like, allowing yourself to fall asleep instead of trying to force yourself to fall asleep. Most of us have had the experience of working too hard at falling asleep and keeping ourselves stirred up, and this is the way it is with difficult feelings like resentment or loneliness, sadness, fear. When we're in a hurry for those things to just go away, we don't get the chance to really transform them. But if the goal shifts to allow ourselves to investigate what it's like to be lonely, sad, fearful, to really have this curiosity about what is the emotional tone, what's the effect on the body, what's the effect on the energy level, if we intend um, and shift our awareness to bringing some interest and investigation to this experience of having difficult feelings, that experience actually what comes to weigh a bit less even in that shift toward it and by the way the last thing i want to mention about this is that this is the very opposite of self-pity you know sometimes in our culture there has been this you know the the cult of not feeling has so enshrined um this behavior that sometimes people are afraid to be with difficult emotion because they have a fear of what is called wallowing in it. Um, So the fear of wallowing in our feelings really sort of sometimes is like this uh, barrier to really just even knowing what's going on. But actually, the moment that you really start to investigate with the intention Um, not to figure it out, but to know what it's like. We're not necessarily looking at figuring out a feeling or where it's coming from. Sometimes that becomes apparent after a while, but more we become more interested in feeling it, getting to know, okay, this feeling I don't like, what does it actually feel like? What is it that I don't like about it? Um, As you shift toward that, you're already moving yourself out from under this weight of identifying as a victim of your feelings and instead moving toward being one who is awake and aware of your feelings toward being a Buddha. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.